It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and every other podcast platform known to mankind. I'm joined, as always, by John Mita. I'm Joe O'Donnell. What's up, Johnny Mita? Joe, Joe. Doing well, buddy. Doing well now the fact that some of our beloved sports are all over television. I feel like we we need like a goal horn to just blare at the start of these podcasts moving forward. That's how pumped I am that hockey's back. I mean, it's 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 twelve fifty three Eastern time right now. I'm literally just chilling, watching hockey. Well, it's a good day to do this podcast. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's It's a a beautiful thing. It's a good day to do it, considering the weather is just horrendous, both here (laughs) in Pennsylvania and in New Jersey. I actually have uh, like a a fallback plan, like a fail safe plan in case the power goes out. Okay, I've got the hot spot, which is charged up. And nope. I've got the laptop, which is charged up, so I could go. All I need is a cell signal, yeah. conceivably. I could dial up some NHL TV and get my games that way should we lose power. Jackpot. Yeah, I mean, I got the uh, NBC Sports link that I was actually attended a baseball game, but was able to catch some of that the end of the uh, Washington-Tampa Bay game yesterday. So, yeah, yeah. there's more than one way to skin a cat with this hockey action, Amen. brother. Listen, so you, I mean, I consider you a hockey fan, but I, you know, you're, you'd be much more of an NBA sure. guy if you're watching a random game. Like if it's the yeah. Red Wings and the Blue Jackets right. or the Pelicans and the Spurs, you're probably going Pelicans first. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But how much more hockey have you watched now uh, that it's been on the last week or so? Well, I'm dialed in, not to the fact that it's, it's not the playoffs yet. You know, there it's technically it's not the playoffs yet, but some of these games have a playoff feel, and um, and you just want to you want to watch some of the best players in the world. Like we were kind of talking a little off air before we got on this podcast, but just to watch Connor McDavid, right? He plays in Edmonton, so you know they're extremely on the West Coast, so you don't really have the opportunity. Plus, their team obviously now they're getting a lot better, so I'm sure they're going to get a lot more TV time, but. That's such an intriguing series with them and the Blackhawks, who have, you know, some of the best players in the league with with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. And, you know, they've been just a great hockey team over the last decade, so to speak. So, but just watching a guy like Connor McDavid, I mean, it's like, it's literally kind of like, like, I mean, you know, you hate to throw out comparisons, but like, like Wayne Gretzky. I mean, it, and it's funny how both of them, and played for Edmonton, but this guy is just unreal. I mean, he's so fast, he's so intelligent with 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 what he does, man. He's um, it, it's a pleasure. So last night, it, I think that game got puck dropped at like ten thirty. So you know, I was dialed in all the way into the third period last night of that game. So yeah, I, I I've watched a whole lot more, and I will continue to watch all these sports all the way through. Uh oh, now my power. The lights are flickering. Hopefully my power doesn't go out here, but we'll still be able to talk. Um, yeah, I just I just hope that I think these these two, you got to give the credit to the NHL for doing a great job with these two bubble cities and, and the NBA with Orlando, because like I think these are the two sports that will be able to finish. And, and baseball is still a huge question mark. right now. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think, honestly, when we look back at it, um, you know, revisionist history, you know, we'll talk a lot about the way that the NHL and the NBA handle things. And particularly the NHL, they just announced 
not one positive test. You know, 24 teams, two cities, all, you know, 52 people in each traveling party. You do the math. That's a lot of tests and zero giant goose egg on positive. Uh, the NHL so far has gotten it right. And I, and I don't see any way at this point. Uh, we've crazier things have happened in the last couple of months. I just don't see any way at this point that the NHL doesn't hand out the Stanley Cup. Uh, NBA is most likely going to have the NBA title hoisted as well. Baseball is such a, you know, uh, it's a crapshoot. It's a question mark. I don't think, I don't know what to think. I mean, right now the Phillies could be on pace to play like 40 games. And then, and then what, what am I supposed to think after that? Did they get a fair shake? I mean, I know we're kind of all over the map here, but I, you know, watching some of their game last night, how do the Phillies have a legitimate chance? How can you, how can you even possibly handicap that as a fair match? a fair game against the Yankees when they haven't played in a week. I just, I don't get it. I mean, they were, that's an uphill battle. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Joe, can you hear me? My power just went down. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Power. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry about that. My power just went down. (laughs) You're right. We're still live, dude. Still live. All right. So (laughs) my power. And you know what? I don't think I'm going to cut any of it. I think this is good. I think this is. This will be a first in the Brotherly Love podcast history. Well, I, what it was so far hard to figure out is, like, once I lost power, then, like, I lost a connection to you. So I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't this going off the cell tower? So I don't know. But we're still here. Yeah, I didn't, I'm still I, here. Didn't think, I didn't think it would stick. I thought if the Wi-Fi dropped, we'd be screwed. But, you know, still recording at my end, my friend. So. Well, it did drop and then it <laughs> flickered back on. But I definitely don't have power. So I don't know. But we're still rocking. We're still rocking. We're still rocking and rolling. Anyway, back to baseball. Yeah. Uh, and just the way that they've not only handled things yeah. from the, the labor piece conversations to the money issue to the players don't want to play what the, you know, the owners are proposing to Rob Manfred saying we're playing 60 games, take it or leave it. Like it was just such a gong show and it was sort of, they were getting drugged through the mud. And now we've got teams with positive tests. We've got the Marlins that didn't follow protocols. You've got teams Missing games, oh, games canceled, double headers. I mean, yeah, St. Louis. Louis. They they were out of casino in Minnesota apparently, and that's why they got infected. So crazy. Yeah, I mean, and where are the repercussions? Like, like, what is Major League Baseball doing to hold any of these teams or players or staff members accountable? Yeah, well, Rob Manfred's an idiot. I mean, let's let's face the facts. He is going to go down as one of the worst commissioners in sports history. Um, they didn't really have a good plan. They didn't have anything in place. Sure, they were able to basically let you have like a larger roster, so to speak, um, like with extra players in case you did have a breakout. But like even the crazy thing was like one of the littlest things. It's like there was like a rainstorm and rain delays and like two of the dugouts, I guess it was the Nationals and maybe the Yankees. Yeah, and they didn't know what night. they didn't know what to do. Like, they're like, "Are we allowed in the dugout? Could we not be in the dugout? Where do we go if it's flooded?" They, they just, they just didn't think anything through. And the crazy part is, they had a lot of many months to get these these protocols in place, and then now after you know he gave a warning to to Tony Clark, he was like, now he made it like every. Every team now has a compliance officer to make sure that you're following the protocols that they set. Um, apparently, it was like a, 
I don't know how many pages their their protocol was, but the NFL was like a uh, basically a dictionary. But um, it's just I don't know. I mean, you have two more teams that have a massive breakout. The season's over, in my opinion. I mean, that's that's a wrap. There's nothing you can do. So I don't know. I mean, you love seeing the live sports action. It's a little funky with cardboard cutouts in the stands and everything else, but it's still the baseball, you know, it's still a baseball game. So, yeah, but it's, it's been amateur hour from day one. Right. And, and you look at, I just think that the, the product that, that, you know, NBC has done with hockey and ESPN and, and even to some extent, the local broadcasts have done with basketball, you know, you don't, the average viewer or listener won't know that the broadcasters for the most part aren't there. They wouldn't really know. It just has a better feel. It has a professional feel. And look back, look, look back, uh, I don't know, 25 years ago, right? When hockey did the glowing puck and they were doing all, and they were, you oh, know, God, hockey's yeah. always kind of been like, I don't want to say gimmicky, but like they needed to do stuff to get you to watch or need to do stuff to right. spruce things up. And, and now it's like they have the most clean, professional-looking broadcast going. There's no virtual fans. There's no yeah. Like they got some good, good lighting and video boards and some visuals and 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 they covered up the lower bowl for the most part with those logos. It just looks clean. The broadcasts sound good. Yeah. They've got their talent, you know, ready to go and they're prepared and got some guys are doing two, three games a day and you wouldn't know. And the hockey's been good. Yeah. And and I just think like. Look, hockey's not going to get some massive springboard in ratings, I don't believe, because they're not the only sport. Right. Know, there's still basketball game to watch, and basketball guys going to watch the basketball game. I get that. But this is doing nothing but helping the marketing of the sport, the brand awareness of the sport, the growth of the sport, and the revenue of the sport, which is going to keep it, you know, it'll keep it more than relevant for years. Without the money, hockey really struggles. They needed this three, four, five hundred million dollars from the TV deals just to get kind of just to stay afloat for a lot of their markets and their yeah. player salaries and all those things that go with it. And, and they're doing it and they're doing it well. It's been clean so far. And if they can stay on task with this and hand out the Stanley cup with no hiccups or issues at the end of the day, it'll be a huge win for the NHL from a pro sports landscape. Well, I mean, I think the other good thing is um, like you look at what, what, Basically, hockey—you have wall-to-wall coverage every day, man. It, yeah. it, it's like March Madness of a hockey tournament. It, it's insanity. I love it. And then you look at baseball, right? Like now, there's like not that many day games. Like, how come they're not doing the same thing? Like, right? And, and, and just broadcasting all, everywhere. I, mean, I know. And, I, and listen, I I read I read that early on when baseball released its first schedule, the broadcast schedule. Yeah, people were like, what? There's like four day games and like, you know, yeah. this is a chance where people are sitting around. Yeah, you're working from home. Right. I'm working today, so to speak. Right. I got things to do. It's also but I got a summer. TV nearby. It's the summer, too. You want to draw kids back in? Draw them yes. back in with this shortened season. It's, again, another failure by Major League Baseball and in the leadership, in my opinion. Yeah. I hear you. What did you did you catch any of the fills last night? Again, I it was like yeah. an uphill battle. You're trying to beat well, a, a, a yeah. you know, and a World Series caliber team that's been playing red hot and playing every day. 
And what have the Phillies been doing in the batting cages, yeah. inner squad scrimmages, simulated games? Like that doesn't get you ready. Yeah, I'm, it gets it, you. It gets you ready, but it doesn't get you game ready or ready ready, whatever you want to call it. Like it's kind of like a facade in getting ready, and and I think it showed, you know, and and the bullpen of this baseball team. I I don't know why I didn't. Like, when you look at the roster for the restart and you see, like, 50 pitchers or whatever, and you're just like, ah, it's a lot of pitchers. Like, I, I probably should have sunk my teeth into where the hell are the reliable relievers in this group because they're not there. They're not available. And if they are, uh, they haven't gotten the job done. Joe uh, Girardi's been calling on guys I never even knew existed, let alone we're on the Phillies, let alone we're going to contribute to the Phillies. And they've been burnt now in the four games they've played. The Phillies have one win. And the one win came when their starter game a gem of a game. At some point, yes, their offense, the bats will get going. At some point, they'll get some better starting pitching performances. But as you know, it's like hockey. If you don't have good goaltending, at some point you get exposed. In football, you can throw the ball up and down the field. You can run it. If you don't have a good defense, at some point you're going to get exposed. You can't outscore teams every day, especially when you're struggling offensively like the Phillies are. And here they are, one and three with a day off because of a hurricane, a doubleheader coming. I mean, this team could legitimately be 2-5, and 2-6, and six, with 30 games left in their schedule. Yeah, um, it's, it's not good. Um, the one good thing is, um, I, this is I think we can all – Wait, hang on. You've got something positive on the Phillies? Please. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can all come Please. to the conclusion that this will be Jake Arrieta's final year in the Philadelphia Phillies uniform. Okay. So, so that's the positive. Yeah, that's the positive. His twenty-five million comes off the book. So, Matt Clentech, if you're listening, you can give that money to JT Real Muto. Okay, yes. just just pencil that twenty-five million JTs, right? Okay, so that's the positive. Can we also pencil in that Matt Clentech won't be around anymore? After we'll love to show? pencil and erase him from history, as far as you know, being a general manager. Just when I thought Ruben the Sun will come out tomorrow was a terrible general manager. Um, just when I was criticizing Ed Wade, I mean, Matt Klintak, he is the uh, coup de grace or the king of just horrible general managers in this What's town. What's he doing? What is he bringing to the table? Nothing. And he and let's keep in mind, he also wanted to still keep Gabe Kapler for all the all you Klintak supporters. Oh. I know there's not many of you. But so, so that's the positive. Again, you hit on it, okay? Again, same problems persist. The same problems we had last year, right? Bullpen, shaky as hell. And another thing that, that seems to be an ongoing theme with this baseball team is that when we do get runners on base, we have nobody that drives them in. Um, Gene Segura, he came in 15 pounds less. He stopped eating beef jerky and drinking red wine or something to that effect. He's been horrendous this year. Um, bring up the bone, you know, in my opinion. You might as well just bring the kid up and just let him play third base. Um Reese's Pieces with the Michael Jack Schmidt stash and curl look. He looks lost. <laughs> um, I don't know if he is the player that – I don't know if he'll ever get back to to what we thought maybe he was or maybe we overvalued what he was. So, it, it's it's alarming. Um, you look at what made the Phillies teams great when they were kind of on the roll. They didn't really – when they were just kicking it from like 2006 to 2010 or – but they had in their bullpen, everyone had a defined role. All right, this guy's going to be your long inning reliever if, if the starters get in trouble. Boom. Then we got a guy for the seventh inning. Boom. Then we got a guy for the eighth inning. And boom, we have a closer. 
Okay. Again, there's no defined roles because all these pitchers stink. All right. So, I mean, I'm like, has Hector Neris pitched yet? He has. He has. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did he pitch? He had a small. Did he get in last night at some point, or did nah. he get in the seven to one win or whatever it was? Like, I think, uh, I think maybe the seven to one win. He might have had two outs or something. I don't know, but he looked like Hector. But everyone else is just you know throwing darts at the wall, you know, with the, with these yeah. guys. Yeah, I mean it's. It's just terrible. And again, there's the lack of like spending money. Like maybe it's not like you, you got this great form system to rely on, like the Yankees right. and Tampa Bay and Boston. And clearly the Dodgers always have a fantastic farm system. So you, you got to go At out and spend At this point, money. I'd be comfortable. I'd be, yeah. And they didn't want to hit the, go over the luxury tax. And that's fine. But then you have to have what's your backup plan. If ownership says you can't hit more than this in salary. Then as the GM, that's what you have to work with. That's it. That's it. And and I don't know who's supposed to come in in the sixth inning. Like you said, who's your long guy? Where's your – and I hate to use his name because, it, you know, he stunk, but where's your Clay Condry? Like, who is that guy? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Where's your Scott Ayer? Who's Ryan Matthews? Scott Ayer. You're a lefty. Who's, yeah. Coming yeah, out. Who's bridging, who's bridging to the closer? And I know they've had some injuries. Yeah. But the, but the fact remains – that they can't go to anybody and feel confident about it right now. And they're just four games in, you know, you had a week off. They should be well-rested. The arms should be fresh. Like, give me somebody that can come in and not either serve up a meatball or walk a batter. I mean, that's all the bullpen has done. Either walk guys or serve up absolute moonshots. And when you're playing the Yankees and you're going to go play the Braves and the Nationals, if you throw balls in the middle of the plate, you're just going to be having your outfielders turn and watch. And I'm not ready to give up on this lineup yet. I know you're going to trash Segura. You're talking about Hoskins. I think he's a little lost too, but at least he's taking some walks and getting on base. I think this lineup is still deep enough and complete enough to keep them in games and to win, like I thought earlier, 35 wins. I thought 35 and 25, you take the over. It's realistic in a 60-game season. I don't know if they're getting 60 in anymore. I don't see how they can. Yeah, but I, I, how is this team even going to get to twenty wins right now in in a forty five game season? Say if for if for Christ's sake they can't get anybody out, right. you know when when the starting pitcher is not in the lineup. And let's not forget two of the starters on paper to start the year are Arietta, who loves to serve up meatball sandwiches, and Vince Velasquez, who might as well open up an Italian restaurant for the amount of meatballs he's been serving up. The last couple of years. Well, and again, another reason to bring the kids up now. They right. They they've collected their time. You know, everyone yeah. waits. Like, oh, we want to control people, so they got to sit down there one more week, and then we can bring them up. Well, right. And now that the week's week up is, now. Yeah. The week's up. So bring Spencer you have your service up. time. Give yes. them a give them a starter too, because like no, here's I, I I put them in the bullpen right now if you have to. So if he, you think he can get guys out right now to me, he's more valuable in the bullpen. I know he's a starting pitching. No, that, that's a good point. You, like, you, you bring up a good point. Bring yeah. in somebody with some electric stuff that can get you two to five or four crucial yeah. outs at some point in the game. Or maybe because a guy that can I'm, get you two innings, you know, I'm confident starters. with. Yeah. Right. But I think Nola Wheeler, you know, whether it's Eflin, at some point he gets a chance. Like at some point you're going yeah. to have, you're, you're, you just need those few bridge outs to keep the game close or to keep preserve the lead, and they've got nothing, and they have no confidence in anybody. That Reggie McLean, the guy they brought in, he's on paternity leave right now. 
Are you kidding me? Really? He's on paternity leave? The season just started. You just had a week off, bro. Like, I know you can't control when your wife goes into labor, but at some point, for the love of God, can't you sacrifice a little bit more for the baseball team? Is that too much to ask? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I listen, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's just... I don't... And it's not like they're traveling. It's not like they're on the West Coast. I'm assuming his wife's at home now. The right. team's in New York. You can't find a way. Yeah. Like, knowing today's an off day, you're on maternity leave yesterday. Like, again, I haven't done all the homework on this, so I don't want to come off sounding insensitive. But if this guy's wife had a baby or is planning on having a baby, like, there could have been a little bit more planning than to give this guy another day off on paternity leave when, first of all, you know, the, the season is already in peril. Who knows if they're going to finish it? And if, and if he's like, you know what, it's not that important to me, then just opt out, bro. See you later. That's it. That's it. No doubt. Anyway, baseball team stinks already, and I can't believe it. Like, if they're going to try and ruin my summer, I'm not going to let it happen. Like, yesterday when it became 6-1, boom, just flipped to some playoff hockey. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I was even watching Mike Tyson versus Larry Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> like, Glenn Macknell tweeted it last night, and I and it literally it was five seconds after I changed the channel on Twitter, and I see Macknell. He's like, Clentac failed to address the bullpen. And so now all summer long, or whatever you want to call it, all season long, Phillies fans will be churning the game off in the sixth inning. And it's so true. Yep. It's so true. One team, though, we don't have to worry about turning off, it appears, to the Philadelphia Flyers. John Mita, I know it's round robin. I know it's one game. But, again, I'll go back to it. They have practice time coming. They have video, like live game film now to, to, to tweak, to make their adjustments, to get better at execution. I am all in on the Flyers being the team to beat in the Eastern Conference for sure right now. What do you think? Well, it was just, if anyone, everyone was worried that maybe the team, the Flyers were probably going to be most hurt by the layoff, considering they were like 9-1 in their last 10 games before COVID hit this beautiful country of ours. Um, but, yeah. They, they look good. They look fresh. And even in their exhibition game against Pittsburgh, I mean, they're flying around. Guys are and, – and, and Carter Hart looks solid. And then, you know, basically um, he got taken out third period. And then Moose came in and Moose Elliott, he came in, did a nice job. And then they get, get the OT winner against Pittsburgh. But you had to be impressed with the game with the Bruins. Because here's the deal. Like – they didn't really get a lot of offensive contribution from their top lines. The fourth right. line played like gangbusters, which was incredible. Michael Raffle and Scotty Lawton and, and what is it? What's his name? Tom Ted. It's not Ted Thompson, is it? What is it? Nate Thompson. Nate. Nasty Nate. How could I forget Nasty Nate? But it was just amazing to see. And Carter Hart just looked solid. He looked unflappable. The kid looks like he's 16 years old. But but he's like, but he's like just beyond his years. Um, so it was awesome to see. I hate Boston with a passion. I can't stand Brad Marchand. He's the most. It just I just think the guy's evil and, and hate the face. He's a total hate the face. And just what they did was amazing. And uh, although on the down note, Michael Raffle did take 
and looks like he had a serious injury. Now that, you know, they're calling it a lower body injury, but it looks like he might've sprained his knee against his board or like a bad ankle sprain. So, and he's out for the foreseeable future, uh, what the coach said, but, um, you know, now they're going to bring in Farabee and Farabee. The good thing with that is it's not like they're bringing a guy off that doesn't have some experience this year. He played in a lot of games this year. So, so I, I think also all, I mean, and you got to love the coach, man. I think the coach has been, you got to give Chuck Fletcher credit, the GM to bring in this coach, because I think he has been the huge difference maker with this team. And, and I'm hoping maybe the Sixers mm. will follow suit and get rid of their coach and get a coach that can yes. just hold everyone accountable. I think that that's the biggest thing. The talent is there, but the accountability right. was never and, there. And the other um, thing so, about Elaine Vigneault that jumps out to me is, is like the professionalism. And I know that can be a cliche or overused, but he just, he stays the course, you know, he's, he's, I don't want to say flatline because he's definitely got some passion, but he's the type of guy that, really seems to steady the ship and you're not going to see him get too high. You're not going to see him get too low. He's experienced. He holds players accountable very early in the year. He benched Voracek for like the entire third period of a game that was in, I think November. And that had to send shockwaves through that entire dressing room. You know, when was the last time that happened? And I don't want to put all this on Dave Hackstall or Ron Hextall, the former coach and GM because the roster wasn't great. But the farm system now is better than it's ever been. This is the fastest Flyers team skating-wise that I can remember in, in probably a decade. They play with pace. They have depth yep. up and down their lineup. They're young. They've got a young goaltender. And they have now a coach that has been there and done that. The only thing he hasn't done is win the Stanley Cup. But he's been there before. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, it is the type of makeup and uh, and sort of like – roster shape and just it's what you want to give yourself multiple cracks at it this isn't a one-year thing for the flyers this is the type of team that should be at the top of the eastern conference now for the next five years and i don't think that's an you know an overstatement and when you give yourself four or five kicks at the can that's what you want because the stanley cup playoffs you never know carter hart could get hurt you know a bad bounce a bad call a, a bad matchup whatever but this is now a situation for the Flyers where I feel like they have their best chance in a long time to be real competitive and win the Stanley Cup, whether it's this year or in the next couple of years. And I, and I don't think that's being a homer at all. In fact, I was texting with a, no. uh, an Eastern Conference NHL assistant coach today who will remain unnamed, and I told him good luck against everybody but the Flyers, and he said the Flyers are the team to beat. Now, he could have been shining me on a little bit, um, but – uh-huh. Again, I think the rest of the NHL has taken note of just how good they are and just how good they can be. I mean, look, uh, again, I know it didn't mean anything in the standings and didn't mean winning a Stanley Cup, but you beat the Penguins and you beat the Bruins um, and your first game back after a 150-day pause or whatever it's been, you know, that's going to get somebody's attention around the league. And it looks like Carter Hart is the guy. And you also look at e- even the defensemen, like – you saw you're such a huge hockey guy, but you've seen how the, the game has transitioned over the last 10 years, right? It's become more of like a speed and finesse game. You know, longer the days where you yes. get this big bruising defenseman that just beat the hell out of people, right? It's kind of more about skating, and you have to be 
be able to do both. And listen, I, I love Shane Gossesberry. He's like one of my favorite players on the team. You know, and I have his jersey, which then could become a relic soon. Because, like, this guy, he can't even get on the ice right now. And, and he was – you put him on another team right now, and he'd probably make the top six. I mean, know, he almost won the rookie pounds. of the year a couple and years he, ago. I was I was blaring that horn on the right. Mother Love podcast a few years back. Right. And he should have been the choice for it coming it, on late and making such an impact for the Flyers. But you're right. He, exactly. He can't, and the, you know, Phil and Myers fact, and Travis Sanheim, Robert Hager are outperforming. And I know, and that's that's yep. a, that's a good problem to have. Like I, and but it's just, and and like you said before, like how deep the roster is you know, from the different lines to the. I mean, and they're just deep. They're deep everywhere, and they and even the defensemen. And then they get like guys like. You know, Niskanen and Braun, like on the back end, they're wily veteran defensemen to pair with some of these young guys. And, and and the other good thing is, the one thing is, some of these younger players are really developing. And that is, that, that, that credit has to go to the coach and his coaching staff. I mean, you look at his two assistants. You know, name a better coaching staff than what the Philadelphia Flyers have. I, I can't think of one. I mean, they got... You know, guys with head coaching experience and their assistant coaches that have been in some of these tough playoff series. So, I, full steam ahead, man. I, I can't wait to see what this team does. I'm I'm flyered up. I know everyone else is. It was so great to see that game Sunday and just a blast the Bruins. That was a statement game. That put something in the Bruins' head like, eh, Flyers are for real. It's not like they're – before you thought, eh, you know, we kind of had their number. It, it's going to be a dogfight, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And listen, if they can find a way to handle business Thursday night, you know, you get another two points, or maybe it's Thursday afternoon. I forget when they're playing. Yeah, I don't think but they've announced the time. You get another with you. They get two more points, and yeah, and they're in the driver's seat. For they the get a new one seed. Exactly. All right, John, made a good stuff. Uh, lastly, let's talk Man, about the Sixers, the, uh, the same old Sixers. No, they snuck out a win against the Spurs last night, but uh, it's the most maddening team I can remember um, watching. You know, I, again, I hate to say that because I get so angry with the Phillies or the Eagles drive me crazy from time to time when they start 5-7 and seven and we feel like there were four games out there they could have won. But this basketball team, when I watch them, they drive me insane. Yeah, um... I'm pissed off. It looks early on with the exhibition games, this team looked like it had some decent chemistry. It looked like, okay, this the transition of Ben to the four with Shake starting, and then they come out and they play a game against Indiana, who at the time didn't have two starters. Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon didn't play. Sabonis is pretty much done for the year. Joel Embiid gives you a massive effort of 41 points and 20 rebounds. I mean, that's only been done by a couple people in the Sixers in their history, Will Chamberlain and Charles Barkley, and and, and, and they flounder. And then they let a guy like T.J. Warren, they give up three points to this guy. Now, listen, I'm not telling you the guy's not a great scorer, because he is. He averages like 20 points a game. He was a beast at North Carolina State. But the defense that Ben Simmons played in that game was inexcusable. I mean, Harry High School excusable. And people can get on me for getting on Ben Simmons, and I get it. But what he did was you had a guy that had 50 points at the time. They're coming down. They're up. They're down three points with 30 seconds to go in the game. He goes to double-team a point guard 
who's also being guarded by the second best defensive player on the team, Matisse Seibel. And he lets his man, he, he thinks that he can recover and go back and his man drills another three-pointer. It was just the last sequence. He played horrible defense on Saturday night. Yesterday, he gets in so much damn foul trouble. He's non-existent in the game. He looks lost out there. And I don't know if that is part of the part of Brett Brown, you know, transitioning to him to the power forward position or what. But this is just it, – it, it stinks, man. And right now, this is going to end up – the Sixers are probably going to get knocked out either in the first or second round. It'll be the swan song for Brett Brown. Nice guy. Seems like a great guy. You know, decent coach for the time being. But they need a new voice in there. They need somebody that's going to hold everybody on the team accountable. And they need to put some, surround themselves with shooters, okay? Because we have nobody who can shoot. Josh Richardson, that whole thing, I was kind of early on, I was like, oh, that was – they got something back in the trade. He doesn't look great right now. The Al Horford experiment has been horrendous. And, and you know, they, they got to figure it out. And, and Elder Brand – He's got a big offseason ahead, but they got to make some changes. I don't care that it's going to be a short season. And can they find another head coach to, to get these guys in line for the next season? But right now, I don't like their outlook. I thought maybe they could get hot, but it's the same old Sixers. They gave up in the fourth quarter. <clears throat> when they were rolling well, their defense was like one of their things that just made them good. Well, they give up right. 40 points in two consecutive fourth quarters. Yep. 40 points. That's inexcusable. So, I don't know. Not high on the Sixers at all. I hear you. And, and by the way, all. just so. uh, real quick aside, the NBA playing out these regular season games, like why? I, I just don't get that. The NHL did it right, man. A couple exhibition games, you know, they should have gone go round totally robin, agree. Like the, like totally the NHL agree. Did. Give, you know the, give the top four teams a, a tune up with, with a little bit of meaning, but not you know season ending type, end of the world type uh, consequences for scenarios, and then just get right into it because people want to see what matters the yeah. most. Like I don't care about the Spurs and the Sixers on yeah. August the third when the game doesn't mean anything for the Sixers as, yeah. to some extent. It meant a lot to San Antonio, but, like, still, I, I just don't have – I don't know. You're right, and you know what it's all about. Yep. Like the great Randy Moss says, straight cash, homie. I mean, that's what it's all about, having these eight games. So, yep. I agree. They should have went right all to right, the brother. Playoffs. Well, hopefully next 100%. time we converse, we've got more positive stuff to talk about, as in the Phillies aren't uh, either out of it or their season hasn't been stopped by the damn pandemic. Or maybe we could talk a little bit more Flyers hockey and – I don't think the Sixers will be uh, a topic of positive conversation from what I've seen, but who knows? Maybe by maybe by the time we talk again, Doug Peterson will have his uh, coronavirus test come back negative, and then we'll uh, we'll be talking about some uh, some some Eagles football possibly as well. But uh, all right, good stuff as always. Thanks everybody for supporting us uh, throughout all these years. We really appreciate Brotherly Love Podcast on Twitter at Love Podcast. And uh, please like, subscribe, comment, all those things. Tell your homeboys as well. And we'll continue to bring some Philly sports podcasting your way. Johnny Mead, always a pleasure, my friend. Hope you're well. You got it, buddy. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Let's go, it Flyers. Brother Let's go, love Sixers. Podcast. Come on.